Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Imperfect Parenting Podcast. It's good to be here as always and we were just, I was just mentioning that, well I think you knew that I was away on a bit of a holiday, good time, camping away with the kids and then um, you know had a wonderful time, had a really really good time but then came back and this morning had um, a little boy quite tearful about having to go off to school uh, and it just made me made me think maybe Rob you know, in those situations, you kind of you ache as a parent <laughs> um, as you see this little boy, you know, with tears sort of welling up and he doesn't want to be there, doesn't want to be going. He's had such a good time. And I wonder, what would you do in that situation, Rob? Yeah, Stu, shame. Acre's right, and I can totally relate to that. I hate it when my children aren't happy, truly hate it. So uh, I really get that feeling, especially when they're going off to school. And, uh, you know, we feel lousy and worried. You know, we know they're set off, not in a happy space, not a great feeling. What I am going to do, though, is just take this as a chance to backtrack a little bit. So before we started talking in this way, you and I were both relating how we felt a little on edge for whatever reason, a little bit disordered or cluttered or, you know, disorganized in the mind. Um, and uh, just not particularly in the greatest sort of centered space. And um, in preparing for for this morning, we've been chatting, and um, I certainly feel a bit better. I hope you do as well. But this is what happens, you know, that um, first of all, let me say that holidays are really important. We kind of get away and get out and, uh, you know, can forget about the stresses and strains of, of COVID and all the related issues. And then we're back, and it does have, I think, an impact on all of us, young and old. I think it kind of throws us into a mishmash of um, all kinds of of feelings, worries. Here we are back again into the same old setting, and I think that all of us feel it. You know, we don't want to pick up this life again. We don't really want to have a do-over, you know, when Monday's looming. And I, I, I wonder if that isn't what you and I started this morning you know with that feeling of here we go again heaviness you know trying to pick up the uh, uh, the, the challenge of of life under COVID where there's there's lots of stuff that just isn't great you know be it a child going to school and all the regulations that go with that and and for us as well you know back into life so yes I think Mondays have never been popular for families but I think Mondays in particular now have an extra edge to them that is unwelcome for for everyone in the home. So I think that's worth highlighting. And then the other thing I want to say is that as you and I have been connecting um, this morning and getting ready, um, we've started to settle. And this is one of the points I'm trying to make is that we need to make time for that. Um, this morning, no doubt for you and Caleb and you know Sam and Jess, it's that early morning rush getting breakfast cereal bowls out you know are you finished in the bathroom come now you know get along your bag needs to be packed and so that's not really an opportunity not in my home anyway it's never really been an opportunity to connect um, and it's, it's easy for us to feel you know there's four of you in the home and you all feel a bit horrible quite what that horrible is you're not sure but it's not just not a great feeling it's uh you know trying to square up against monday feeling if you like and um, Caleb felt it, he resonated with it, but he might have resonated even with something that each one of you was in some or other way carrying 
So this is also the thing that happens in families is that, you know, stress or, or anxiety or bad feeling tends to be contagious. That it's very, very difficult, if not impossible, for one member of the family to be out of sorts and for, for the others to remain totally unaffected. Because we're connected, because we're kith and kin, we all get affected. We all uh, feel it. Um, as we go off, and you probably left home feeling more stressed because Caleb wasn't happy. <laughs> so it's all connected, um, and I think it's worth just understanding and being mindful of that backdrop, both the normal that's been around for decades and centuries around family life, human relatedness, but also the particularities that come with COVID and um, having to ad adjust and the work that's involved, the psychological, emotional work of being a family, um, doing what we can do about ordinary life um, in the midst of all of the, the pressures that we face. So Robert, it makes me wonder, talking about connection and how important that is, uh, whether maybe last night, having spent, maybe have spent a little bit of time chatting about the possibility of Monday and, 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 and what's coming, or does, the, you know, I get worried about doing that sometimes because I think, oh, it's going to, it's going to make someone upset. I'm going to I'm going to make you know Caleb upset. But I wonder, you know, is is that something that that one should do? I think that's a that's a that's a great point and 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 a uh, and and a good question because it picks up the uh, the subtlety of it and the complexity of it. I said before, so I'd better stick to my guns. That I'd rather we go there. I think for the, I think though for us to do that, you or Sam would have to, have had to have realised that you felt. You felt a bit horrible. <laughs> and this is the thing, you know, you said, you know, if we're going to lead, we need to stay connected to ourselves. So step one, I guess, would be that we um, are aware of where we're at so that we have the choice, if you like, of broaching it with, with our kids. Um, and I guess what you could do is possibly broach it with, with Sam um, and the two of you as adults could, could talk about it. And that might cue you to get a sense of whether to, to talk with your children about it. And then the other thing, just to say that, yes, we do hesitate. We wonder if we're going to raise this with our children, will we, will we make them feel worse? I would say again, I don't think that that happens. We can put our feelings onto our children so that they start to worry about us. So, I mean, to sort of exaggerate, you know, if you or I were to fold on our children, you know, put our foreheads on their shoulders and cry and say, I don't want to go to work on Monday, I'm not enjoying my life anymore, you know, clearly that ridiculous scenario wouldn't be good for any child. But I think that in as much as we've understood what's going on inside of us, a little bit like, yo, yeah, Caleb, Jess, that was such a wonderful weekend, I feel like more of that, I'm not sure I feel like Monday and, and what's waiting for me on Monday, open it up in that sort of way, in a general way, that helps them again to think about their Mondays. And you might even find that they're able to psychologically, emotionally prepare for Monday like that. Like, what do they expect for tomorrow? You know, as opposed to just this horrible, vague, unspecified feeling of dread. So as a rule of thumb, I would say it's nearly always better to articulate the unsaid, the emotional, um, latent um, uh, climate, if you like. It's good to articulate that, but we don't want to lay it on in some heavy inappropriate way and so it brings me to a question as to why rob you never asked me about my emotions <laughs> you know Stu, 
It's about it's about getting uh, uh, on with the episode. I know that if we do that, um, gosh, you know, I don't know, things are going to fall apart badly. And um, and Rob, then also, you know, after an event like this, I mean, we've talked about it in the last two episodes, but I mean, would you, as a, as a dad, would you have a chat with your son after the event? You know, after school and check in and and see how how he's doing and how he feels about tomorrow and what what would you do? I mean, I think I would. I think that looking back, those reflective conversations are like gold. And again, look, we must uh, understand, um, um, it's not that I'm wanting to add work to parenting. It's just to look for the opportunities. I think if if we look for them, we'll see them. You know, it can just be when we are... Uh, we find an opportunity in the evening to say, "Yo, this this morning wasn't great," um, and that from there we can do a lot of stuff. And in fact, what I'm going to do is maybe to take that as a cue to talk about a framework that I think um, we can have in mind, um, just in order to know that we're going forward well with emotional upsets, because of course they come, and uh, I'd like us to see them as opportunities to help our kids to stay connected, but also to help them to go forward well and to develop really important life skills. And, um, you know, step one really would be, if you're going to talk with your son about it, and I think it is a good idea to talk with him about it, would be really just to to help him understand himself, to help him understand. And I was talking with a parent about this the other day, and she was trying to stop her children from fighting. And they were fighting a lot um, with one another in all kinds of horrible ways. And she'd had enough. And what she was essentially doing is she was listening to what the fight was about and then telling them what to do, how to sort the fight out. And I guess what, I, what I'm wanting us as parents to think about when it comes to building understanding is listening, first of all, to what our children are saying and then how they feel about what they're saying. So it's sort of two levels of understanding, if you like. A child may say something like, you know, you know, I don't like going to school. I didn't, I don't, I don't want to be at school. And, uh, you know, even go beyond that and to say, well, you know, where does that leave you? You know, say more about that. How do you feel about what you're saying? You know, and, and take it forward in those ways um, so that you get a multi-layered um, understanding of where the child is at. So uh, what the child is saying and how the child feels about what he's saying would be useful to bear in mind. So what you're saying is that, and probably something that maybe as parents, and I think of myself here specifically, don't do a lot of, is actually going to that second level, actually helping maybe myself first, but then also my child to understand what they're feeling and why they're feeling that, rather than just trying to jump in and sort out the, the situation that's going on in front of you. Yes, that's right. And that's, that's, the, that's the key really is because we tend to jump to a solution. And the solution is typically uh, linked to the problem. So the child says something like, you know, um, I don't like breaks. And you say to him, oh, well, you know, then you must just go and play with Nigel. He's a much nicer boy. Or, you know, I'll pack a different lunch for you. If you don't like your lunch, then I'll give you a new one so that you can actually enjoy it. And we try to solve that um, too quickly. And what we're wanting to do is to say, hang on a minute, um, let's go to the feelings. How does the child actually feel about this? Are they afraid? Is there something underneath what they're saying that it's, it's good to know? Um, you know? Is there something more to what they're saying? Um, and the other thing that I'll add 
just around understanding, which is really like your your base that you're going to work off, is um, that feelings come in more than more than one. So how we feel about any given situation, there's normally more than one take on it, and it's important for us to to give children a chance to to walk around the different ways they feel about the same set of circumstances. And I know we have spoken about this, but but one other thing then that comes to mind is. Uh, and when a child doesn't have the words, you know, it just kind of says, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what, what's going on. Um, I just feel horrible. <laughs> what do you do then, Rob? That's right. And we've spoken about this particularly with younger children, but it's not only younger children. It's true. And as I say, with younger kids, typically it would be good or bad. So when I talk to younger kids, they give it to me in those blocks. It's either good or they, they either feel good or they feel bad. I think really what I'm looking for, if I'm as a practitioner and also as parents, I think for us it's around sitting with that and imagining in our minds what the nuances are. And we can, with our adult minds, tease it out, that good or that bad. What what are the various facets that go with that? What are the things that make up that bad or that good? And I think normally that we can be pretty accurate we may miss a few, but we'll be pretty accurate with that. And we can walk around with the kids and give it back to them in a way that they can understand, in a way that they can, they can use. So actually giving them um, the words, actually saying the words for them and allowing them to agree with that or, or not agree with that? Yes, that's right. So we're kind of wondering. So, you know, I wonder if it isn't a little bit like this for you. The child might be silent with that, but again, going back to a previous episode, the, uh, the key there is we're getting Caleb to think about himself in a, in a creative way. You're not imposing his reality on him, but you're wondering about it with him, and you're wondering about it in an emotionally nuanced way. And that way you are building a lot of capacity inside of him that he will be able to use um, as time unfolds. So it is a good investment. And then, Rob, uh, do you think maybe sometimes we can also frustrate our children by asking them too much and pushing them too far? <laughs> yes, I think that's absolutely true. I did say previously that it's always an act of care to try and understand. But I think as well, in the spirit of understanding our kids, we can also see where we're going on too too much. And we can see, you know, maybe a tension in the jaw or a redness in the face, a bit of a flush. We can see now we are annoying them. We're crowding them too much. These kinds of connections, these kinds of conversations, they're, they're hard work. They're a little bit serious. You don't want to be doing them all the time. It's not about us as parents being psychologists at home, but it is about those moments where we check in. And I do prefer to start with a lighter touch, see where it goes from there. Oftentimes it can go seriously, but I am also like to follow the child. And you will see that there's times where they don't have the capacity or it isn't the time that they want to talk about it. And I'll leave it then pretty simple and, and short. Maybe save it up for another time. Awesome, Rob. I think um, we can all take a little bit of this and, and think about using seeing these things as opportunities. Because I know for myself, it's... It's often, like I said to you just you know earlier in, in the in this episode, is that it's it's actually uh, you wonder whether you're going to upset the child. You really do uh, more or create a problem where there wasn't a problem. But actually seeing these as opportunities to grow, not just for your child but for you as well, and understand who, where you are at, and that's certainly something I'm going to try this week. And maybe 
maybe we can all try is actually start to just think a little bit more about this as an opportunity to grow. So thanks, Rob. Always a pleasure, Stu.